My name is Kim Chill, and I get letters about the untold. There's been a shift in the world. I don't know if you can feel it. Like, it has taken a deep breath of reset, and now our Mother Earth is exhaling as if everything is a bit better. Maybe it's just me, or maybe it's because we're nearing the rebirth of our world. The endless cycle we are doing. The world grows from spring and dies in winter. Each year, like a breath. Maybe that is what we're also doing every time we breathe. It's both a comforting thought and a scary one. Mostly because I have anxiety about dying, so anything close to that is scary for me. I was told after the last episode that the dog Orge was the smartest of us too. I didn't know it at the time, but Mushroom Circle is a gateway to Fairyland, so he stopped me for being taken away. If anyone had told me that a few weeks ago, I would have laughed. Now I got the dog one extra treat when I saw him on Dungeon and Dragons Night the other day. What boggles my mind is why was the letter in that circle? Or did the circle appear after the letter was put there to try and trap me? I have too many questions in my head than I have answers. And I feel like every answer we get from Brendan is just putting even more questions behind them. On the upside though is that some of my friends are starting to believe in me when I'm telling them that this is real. They're actually actively texting me every day to check if I've gotten another letter from Brendan. And are even in some bet to see how strange the letters can arrive to me now. It is comforting that more people are rooting for Brendan and myself. And I bet Brendan is counting on all the cheering and love you're all giving him. And I must admit I feel honored too to be included in that. Though if you're also betting on where I got my letter this time, I can say none of you got it right. I got it from Elvis. Me and my partner, bless their soul, were going to celebrate how close we are to our two-year anniversary together. And we decided to go into the capital of Norway, Oslo, book ourselves a cheap, thanks to my mother's husband, hotel, and just relax, eat some nice dinner, have a killer hotel breakfast. Norwegian hotels are on top of the world when it comes to breakfast buffet, trust me on that, and maybe go see a show or something. And as we were enjoying a beautiful dessert after having truly a breathtaking dinner at some place called Szechuan, I love my spicy food, and they are truly bringing the heat, a man in an Elvis costume walks up to our table and just plops the letter with my name upon it onto my banana split. Uh-huh, the king has left the building. Now, tell Tony we're squared. I'm out. I can't stop here. the screams. Before quickly moving away, before I could say something back at him. I looked at my partner, and they in turn looked at me with a face of confusion rivaling my own. Wait, did... Wait, screams? I pocketed the letter as quickly as possible after cleaning it from the ice cream and chocolate that was sticking on the back side. And who is Tony? I have no idea. The only thing I know is Brennan's letter won't ruin this. I'm opening when I'm coming back home. My partner smiled to me. That's sweet of you but we both know you will open it when we're back at the hotel. I smirked. They knew me too well. And I want to know as well what happens next. We finished the search and got up to leave, finding out someone had paid for our bills and that we should enjoy ourselves tonight. 
We didn't get any names, so we asked the waitress to thank the person if they saw them again. While my mind was occupied in a paranoia alert status, now who paid for our dinner? We did enjoy a good walk back to the hotel, where I opened the letter, and it read, Dear Kim Chill, This is the last letter for this week. Don't worry, if everything goes right, you will get a new letter in about a week. I'm getting everything ready to head out now, after I've written this. Then a plane ride to, well, not gonna tell you yet. Spoilers. I'm going to experience a bit with this letter, if you don't mind. As I, in my last apartment, had a clear message my letter would arrive to you, through a creepy mirror writing, remember? Which made me move away. Now, what I'm gonna do is this. I'm leaving this letter without your address or anything on the counter on my desk until I come back. It will be completely done and should be ready to go. Now, if I come back and this is still on my desk, I will write an addendum. If there are none, it means your letter is getting to you through some greater magic. And that will give me another clue. But I left you on a cliffhanger, didn't I? I only did that because I knew you were going to get the letter the same day or the next day, so the cliffhanger wouldn't be too hard on you or the others. A bit harmless fun, Kim. But yeah, the last thing I wrote... Amun-Ra, I let you in. The blind man spoke before the whole world held their breath. For a second, nothing happened. He just stood there. Everything was quiet. Everything before an explosion that I saw only because of my left eye of colors and radiating streaking from the obelisk into him. And I saw where the empty socket, those of once void and colorless, shone now with what must be pure, otherworldly light. My right eye saw the man shaking uncontrollable where he stood in front of me before his head snapped forward and went still. Warmth that you see on a Sahara desert or concrete when it's true hot outside. The air streaming invisibly came from the body as the clothes of the man shifted into a light grey businessman suit with a red tie. His hair went from unruly and filled with dirt to freshly washed and in a low ponytail. The eyeless sockets now bore two pupils with red irises. But around the eyes still were faint scars of when he had clawed the eyes out. And when he stood straight, it was like a new man was standing in front of me. And in the third eye sight, it truly was. The aura of the being now Ra was the outline of a falcon head with an orb of white light above him. It has been a while since I have done this. His eyes shifted around. I feel like we should be in another place. Come, Brendan Croft. It is time for us to talk. Let us be somewhere more adequate. He didn't motion for me to follow as he started to walk, but I got the gist. I had just seen a transformation happening in front of me, and I was not going to say to Ra himself, Nah, you know what? How about we just talk now and I get all the answers I want? I have learned since Akati. I did not want to be a rat again, especially in front of a falcon. 
As we went from the obelisk, Ra moved towards a limousine that stood waiting, and we sat in. Hold your tongue yet, Brandon Croft. Use this drive to where we shall talk to filter your questions. I care not for thousands of them. I will grant you three after I have explained what I can. I held my tongue and just nodded. And through the ride, in the most comfortable ride I have ever been in, just so you guys know, I thought long and hard. Ra just sat there watching me. And it was truly uncomfortable. I bit my tongue three times not to say any smart remarks, but in the end we did arrive in what I assumed was one of the most luxurious hotels in the whole of Egypt. I won't say its name, but you can google it, though it was empty, except for the people working for the hotel. I have made arrangements that it's just you and me in the hotel for 24 hours. The food and one of the top sweets will be yours. When Ra came to town, he came in style and flaunt as a true god of one of the most over-the-top awesome dynasties in the world has ever seen should. We got to the best table on the top floor of a bar where you could see the Nile and some of the pyramids as a service started to pour us some liquor that was worth more than my apartment and everything in it. Now, Ra said, after taking a long sip of the drink, I will answer one question for you, for free. David, the one who used to inhabit this body, is gone. He let me in, so I could inhabit a worthy body, becoming an avatar of me, like the old days, how the pharaohs of old did. He did this for his own volition, sacrificing his life for this moment. Forty years. So let us honor him with this drink. He raised his glass, and I did the same. David had been his name. I never asked. And a part of me would always hate myself that I didn't in interact with him a bit longer or better. For David... I said out loud. Ra nodded. And the drink was something I could never experience again. Liquor is bad for you. This one was expensive, exquisite, and almost said, Nah, I'm good for you and your soul. As the second sip slowly burned lovingly down my throat, Ra went to a more serious mode as he put the glass on the table. In short, yes. You spoke to me about 5,000 years ago. You were in your Ba form, part of your soul. And your soul can travel the Duath more freely. And some places in the Duath are pathways to the past. Though only souls can travel that path for a short while, most time they can just watch, not interact. And since you are in Egypt, where the link to the Duath is the strongest, you entered it. And what you saw was me and Isis before the betrayal, and I had to leave the seat to others. I had divined that you or four other people would be sitting here with me. 
I was following what he was saying so far. Now, the book which you possesses is a means to an end, and that end can either be good or bad. David told you about the oath taken of me and the other pantheons. Yes, you guys can't talk about the book too much or what the watches knows because it's part of your life essence. Yes, if either the gods or watches speaks to anyone who doesn't know, it will kill you and damn your essence or soul to something unspeakable. Raleigh and Morphors to me. But let us say I choose an avatar again, which I haven't in thousands of years, and that avatar's body is still alive, but the soul has left. My eyes widened at that. Wouldn't you be destroyed? Ra scratched his chin. Part of me? I am thinking this body will take the brunt force. I'm just relaying it through this body's oath. So it's a gamble. I won't be able to say much before I get thrown back into my plane, weakened like I haven't since the poisoning. So ask your remaining two questions, Brendan. Make them good ones. Two? I had three. Wait, you counted the last question? Don't, don't answer that, I quickly said, and Ross smiled even more. You are getting it. I was so angry. The games had already begun. Ra would not let me get any more freebies, and true to his words, he would answer three questions. Well, two now. I had to be better than this. I had three in mind, now I had to use just two. If I don't do all this that I have been suddenly dropped into, what will happen? Ra lifted his arms, and suddenly, the whole world shifted, and what I saw was a wasteland of pure ice and snow. No ruins, nothing. It looked like the whole world was frozen over, thick clouds that spewed out snow. And it was so cold, so cold I could feel the cells in my body dying. This for about a thousand years. And as soon as it had happened, we went back to the warmth of Egypt. No pressure. You are part of the chains of events now, Brendan. I am afraid. Though it is still free will. You can choose the path. No destiny. Just paths. I was rubbing my hands together, still feeling the coldness from the visions. That's bull. You know I'm forced even if I'm not. You're clearly saying either do it or the whole world dies. Hostage situation. Ra cooked his head a bit. Hold your tongue of clever remarks, Brendan. We might need you, but that doesn't mean I won't teach you a thing or two about respect and courtesy. I did not bite, but held my tongue between my thumb and index finger. Ra laughed at that. That's on me. Your second questions, Brendan. What should it be of the last two? I thought a while before I made up my mind. I can't clearly do this alone. I need help. Where can I find help? 
Ra lifted one of his eyebrows. Clearly he thought I was going to ask something else. That question. Of all the ones you can ask. Are you sure? Yeah. Clearly Ra had thought I would ask something completely different. Which meant I was on the right track. This I fear you must do alone. Though there is help in getting you to where you need. And it has been worked on since you started this journey. Plane rides and access to places you might need to go. But what I do see, Brendan, is help in the future. Find someone to tell you your story. Find someone to make your actions known. If you all survive this, I see help from so many places and people. Someone to tell me my story would get me help? That needed to grind in my mind for a while. Three questions answered. Now, since most of my life essence will be ripped away, I might as well use some of it to help you in immediate future situation. Yes? I blinked. That will be nice. Would it transport me to where I needed to go? I see that Hekati has tethered your left eye to the site of the third, though only halfway. What she forgot to tell you was that your unfinished eye is draining your life essence. What? I said. Yes, I can understand why, but if your eye finishes, it will drain your life in matter of a year. Now maybe five years is all you have left. What? I repeated. Five years? Can you make it go away? He shook his head. No, but I can alter it. And the difference between me and Hecate is... I will give you the choice, Brendan. I can finish your eye and let it not drain your life essence. But it has a different price. A price Hecate does not see as one wise. What is it? I was getting nervous. What could be worse than dying an untimely death? I will tether it to your inner aether, your bond to the mystical arts, so to speak. In short, you won't be able to cast any magic that requires inner aether. I could see why Hecate, the goddess of magic, saw that as worse than death. For a mortal, but I was still angry I didn't get to choose. She had just given me and said it was a blessing. So I won't be able to cast magic, but I get to live longer? Ra nodded. If you don't die of any other things, yes. I nodded. Do it. Thank you, Ra. He stood up and walked around the table to stand behind me. Close your left eye, Brendan. This will hurt. I did, and he put his left hand over my eye. Of any eye patches you have ever seen, which one do you like? Think of it. Many different did. Some from Pirates of the Caribbean was one of them, though if this was supposed to be a special eye now, one came to my mind before a searing pain of white hot fire burned through my left eye. 
I screamed and tried to trash away, but the right hand of Ra firmly put me in my place. I could feel something in me break, like a bond before it all went black. The pain, too much. I awoke, sitting still on the perfectly cushioned chair, Ra now sitting in front of me. Still, I saw the aura surrounding him, the outline of the falcon head and globe. It failed? I croaked as I put my hand up to my face and felt a cloth over my left eye. No, it is completed. While covered, your left eye can now only see auras, though most things in the world have one, so it won't hinder you. But if you uncovered it, like this Kakashi person you saw in your head, your true sight, third eye, call it what you wish, will activate and everything you will see will be burned into your mind. The pain was gone, and I suddenly felt more awake than I had the last few days. The life drain had been almost unknown until it was gone. Now listen, Brendan, and listen well. The Book of the Chained Sun was made by a prophet, a dark one, and the words in the book are written in the language of the angels, around the year 630 of the Roman calendar. Before he could give the book to his people, another prophet found it, saw what it was and how the book cannot be destroyed by any pantheon or magic. So, he wrote in the book, and as Ra continued to speak, I saw his body starting to catch fire, and his aura was slowly crumbling away like ash falling of a burned wood. And through clenched teeth, Ra continued, a way to destroy it, and hid it until someone could chain it up in chains of belief. Brendan, you must find the key to open the chains, read what is written, and destroy the book. The watchers are getting close to the key too. Find it. Speak to... I was watching as Ra himself and the body crumbled and turned to a crisp. It was horrifying. The smell, strangely, was not there. It should be, but the dying of the flame was odorless. The keeper of the crown of thorns enchained. I couldn't even finish. Before his aura, what was left of it, streaked the way upwards towards the sky. Possibly the sun. And in front of me, in the chair, was just some ashes and burn marks. Ra was gone. This was the day before I ended up randomly choosing you to become my spokesperson, Kim. I took Ra's heed, and well, you know what happens next there. My eye now has the same cover as Kakashi from Naruto does, though it is black and doesn't have a forehead protection on it. It's just a thick clock that is shaped perfectly and doesn't move or rearrange itself until I do it. A last gift from Ra, I guess, to always be perfectly covering my eyes. Also, 
My left eye does not have a pupil anymore, but it bears the symbol of the eye of Ra instead. So I have an eye with an eye of Ra in the middle, where my pupil should be. A reception? I looked in my own mirror, and it seems like I can't see my own aura, or anything. So it works on everyone, except myself. Why? I stayed at the hotel for the night, still in shock, and the next day I went to catch a plane to Paris. That's where we're gonna get to next. I hope it works out what I'm going to do tomorrow. It should. Anyway, I can't wait to hear from you after a long podcast. Three weeks in a row. That's so cool. Until next time. Best regards, Brendan Croft. That's the end of the letter. And I don't know what to say. I hope you're okay, Brendan. It's been three weeks since you wrote these, and if I only get your letters weekly and you haven't contacted me in any other way, it makes me scared something huge has happened to you. And the worst part, we can't do anything else but wait and hope. And I hope a new letter will come soon. And with that, I will leave you all with this. What is more terrifying? A human afraid of a god? Or a god afraid of a human? This has been the 8th episode of Letters About the Untold. Written and read by Kim Chil Yoshta. Music by Nikolai Hagen. The places and people you hear in this podcast might be real, but the description or personality of the places and people might have been altered. This is fiction. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, and I do hope you enjoy it, and hope you will listen to the next episode. And if you do, press that subscribe button and follow the podcast on social media. And if you can, it would be nice if you could just leave a review. Until next time, beware of the flickering lights.